the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Yes, indeed it is, and good morning to you. Thank you for waking up and joining us at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock. We appreciate you being here. It's a Monday, 28th morning, 6th month, year of our Lord, 2021. The first rally of the post-Trump presidency is in the books, and it was something to observe. I can tell you that firsthand. Simply an amazing day in Wellington, Ohio on Saturday. And I've got a lot to say about it. And uh, I'm going to ask you to say what you have to say about it, too, if you were in attendance at the rally. And that doesn't dis- uh, uh, preclude you from calling if you were not in attendance at the rally. I want to hear from everybody. That's fine. If you watched it or listened to it, whatever. But particularly for those who were there, if you would like to call with your takeaway from what you heard, both on the stage on Saturday in Wellington at the Lorain County Fairgrounds uh, or just uh, the atmosphere itself, because I, I have a lot to say about the atmosphere. I have a lot to say about the people. I have a lot to say about the way this whole thing went down, in addition to what the president had to say, in addition to what some of the other speakers had to say, including Jim Jordan, including uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene, including uh, uh, Max Miller. There's a lot of stuff that we want to analyze here. So that's going to be coming up. And then our guest list today includes one of those who was on the stage. Uh, Jim Jordan will be joining us at 948, as he always does. We'll ask him for his reflections on uh, the day on Saturday. It was really, as I say, an amazing thing to behold. I was so glad and proud and honored to be a part of that. So we'll talk to him coming up at 948. And then at 1010, this is one I bet you didn't expect. You remember this, right? Out! 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 Immediately out! Don't, I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. I don't care what you have to say. Out! That was the um, Polish pastor by the name of Artur Polowski, who um, 
was working in Canada at a parish, and he um, was confronted by police for daring to violate the strict Canadian COVID rules and holding a service in his parish. And the police came, five or six of them, if memory serves, to boot him out of the, and boot his uh, flock out of their uh, service. He would not have it. He met them at the top of the stairs and proceeded to shout them out of the room and out of the building, down the stairs, out the door. He followed them out to their cars and continued uh, shouting them out. Uh, telling they're not welcome here, that this Nazi uh, type of uh, uh, attitude toward his flock was not going to happen here. Later, by the way, if you recall the follow-up to that story, they came back. This time they waited for him to leave the church at the end of the service and followed him home and then stopped him on the on the road. They stopped him on the road as if it was like, as if he were transporting, you know, 15 tons of heroin the way they do, you know, vehicles that are suspected of, of trafficking and drugs, they surrounded his vehicle as if he were as if he were dealing massive quantities of drugs, forced him out of his car onto his knees on the roadway and arrested him. Simply unbelievable. Well, at any rate, Pastor uh, Artur uh, Pawlowski is now going on tour, and one of those tour stops where he's going to lead just some some extraordinary, I think. Uh, uh, services, you know, they're not going to be prayer. Well, they are prayer services, but they're more than that. They're going to be very, very animated and very, very uh, pro-freedom and pro-God and pro-religious uh, messaging. So that's coming up. He's going to be in Medina later this week. So we're going to talk to him at about uh, 10, 10 this morning. So Jim Jordan and Pastor Art, uh, Artur Pawlowski will be our guest today. And before we get into anything else, before we get into the top story of the day, which is the Trump rally, Let's take a pause for the Pledge of Allegiance. Patriots, stand with your hand on your heart, if you would, please. If you have a flag nearby, please face it. Liberal Democrats, well, we know that you don't want anything to do with it. So go ahead and take your knee as we honor America. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice. I can tell you something about the event on Saturday, boy. Um, It did not disappoint, and I have some serious thank yous to offer. Now, the thank yous that I'm going to offer, and and, and it was, I mean, honestly, it was an amazing thing to experience firsthand. If you were in Wellington at the Lorraine County Fairgrounds, you heard uh, exactly what I heard. And you saw exactly what I saw. Just let me a brief bit of the introduction here. Now, that isn't the part I wanted to get to. I wanted to get to the uh, part where they actually brought him onto the stage, which was with Lee Greenwood rather than the village people. And we're going to elect an amazing slate of proud American first Republicans next year. America first. You never used to hear that expression, did you? You hear it plenty now. After just five months, the Biden administration is already a complete and total catastrophe. (laughs) It was exactly that. My video is not matching up with my audio here, so I can't give you the great introduction with the Lee Greenwood. Um, God bless the USA. But you get the idea. Those who were there know exactly how it went down. I I, want to say a couple of things about the event. Um, 
before we talk about the politics of the event, the event was called Save America. It was sponsored by a Save America PAC or organization. And it was literally about just doing this. What I talked to the president about last Thursday when I had him on the show exclusively here. You know, Save America, what does that mean? It was sponsored by Save America. And when the president laid out what we have seen in the first five months of the Biden administration, you know full well what it means to need to save America. We are in an extraordinarily dangerous and desperate position, and we're only halfway through his first year. Talking about Biden's first year. We're only halfway through it. There's still a year and a half of destruction that could come before we can take back the Congress and the you know, the House and the Senate and try to stop some of the most radical things that he wants to do. There's still a year and a half of potential destruction to come. But before I dive into the meat of the... Um, you know, the um, uh, politics of it all. What I want to say thank you, who I want to say thank you to is the city of Wellington, Ohio, the county of Lorraine, which is my home county, the police force in Wellington, the sheriff's office in Lorraine County, all of the surrounding areas that donated services, the um, and, and manpower, uh, the stage crew, uh, the the Secret Service, um, I, I'm just, you have no idea the massive scale of what they pulled off in nine days. You understand that? It was the talk of the, of the rally, you know, in the circles that I was in. It was just, they had nine days of notice to put something on of this size and this scale. Everything had to fall into place perfectly. And I'm telling you, outside of a few, well, some serious traffic problems. I mean, it took, I, I, I live 25 minutes away from the Lorraine County Fairgrounds. And I left two and a half hours early before my deadline to get there, which was given uh, because I had access to the president. So I had to be inside of Secret Service areas by, by 4.30. I left a couple hours early knowing that the traffic was going to be what the traffic was. And I still failed. It took me over three hours to travel 25 minutes. Outside of that, which is just the nature of the beast, when you go into the fairgrounds there, there's only a couple of access roads that take you down into the fairgrounds. That's just the way it is. What they were able to do to accommodate, I don't know, 30,000, 40,000? Were there 50,000 people there? I don't know. Nobody has an accurate head count, but I can tell you this. I have been inside, packed, wall-to-wall, packed, progressive field. And back when it was Jacobs Field, and it held 44,000 people-ish, I've been there, and I know what 40,000 people look like. And I'm telling you. That's exactly what this looked like. And I'm not talking about just in the chairs and in the grandstands around the stage in Wellington. I'm talking about in the uh, field behind the chair and the, and, you know, the, the, you know, for the special ticket holders or whatever you want to call it, but back into the standing room only area of the field. And then back behind the row, the massive uh, row of media that was there. And then all the way back down the fairgrounds to the security gates. And then on the other side of the security gates with the number of people waiting to get in. I took as many pictures as I could from good vantage points. 
I went up to the top of the grandstand while the pre-show was still going on, and I took some pictures, and it was amazing, just a sight for the eye to behold. But it, that didn't even do it justice because, again, that was the pre-show, the pre, you know, the preliminary speakers. And there were some great speakers, like I said, but that wasn't the same thing when President Trump was there. When President Trump was there, I was in my seat, so I couldn't go back up there and try to take those pictures. But I'm telling you, I know what a 40,000-person uh, 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 packed stadium or ballpark looks like, and, and I'd be lying if, to you if I said it looked like anything less than that on Saturday. Again, I have no proof that it was 50,000 or 60,000 or more than 20,000. I'm just telling you from experience and seeing crowds and seeing what I saw, particularly because it was standing room only. I mean, everybody was shoulder to shoulder outside of the, uh, uh, you know, the seated area, the, the VIP area. Everybody was shoulder to shoulder. It was incredible. The bodies, the mass of humanity, that was just an amazing thing. So why am I focusing on this? Well, first, because I want to thank, the, like I said, the people on the ground in Wellington who made this whole thing happen. It's really an incredible thing to see. What they did in eight, on nine days' notice just deserves an in, in, enormous amount of respect. Uh, it deserves all of the kudos we can It deserves a can you dig it. That's what it deserves. What they did to make this whole thing happen, we should... Oh, dig it! But the reason I'm focusing on the the crowd size as much as I'm going to on the politics and the statements is because one thing is very, very clear. Donald Trump's personality and Donald Trump's accomplishments have made his popularity as enormous now as it ever was during the height of the the Trump term. When he was just, you know, again, you know, mission accomplished and promises made, promises kept, day after day after day after day, watching the jobless rate fall to record lows for uh, every every demographic of Americans, including minorities, black and brown people who supposedly can't get a fair shake in this systemically racist country. And as our taxes went down and as our incomes went up and as, you know, it was just energy independent for the first time. I don't want to go through the whole list, but you know the point. He was extraordinarily popular, particularly among his supporters then and among Republicans. And it's five months into the Biden term. It's five months into the Biden term. And Donald Trump hasn't even been able to get on social media because he's been banned. And yet, an announcement is made. He's coming to a small rural town in in northeast Ohio. And forty to 50,000 people, by my estimation, packed themselves into the fairgrounds on a hot 90-degree day, sweating in the sweltering heat to see and listen to this man. It's not an election season. He's not up there trying to garner votes. It's just a we-have-to-save-our-country rally. It's a let's be aware, let's be active, let's do what we have to do to win when it is election season. His popularity is off the charts in his post-presidency. Even as Joe Biden makes it his mission to undo everything that Donald Trump did. All of the tremendous things he did to assist and help and save this country, Joe Biden undid. And the people came out to say, Mr. President, we still love you and we want you back. And I'll tell you what Saturday did for me. 
It told me that if there is going to be an upstart, Trump-like conservative who wants the nomination in 2024, and I've talked with effusive praise about Ron DeSantis and about Greg Abbott and about Christy Nome and about Tim Scott and about a bunch of other super strong conservative Republicans that I would really, really like to see with the nomination. If there is any of them that really, really has their sights set on winning that nomination, you're going to have to go through 45. Because 45, his popularity has made it very, very clear. He still runs this party. He is still the standard bearer for this party. And I can't think of another American citizen, any, who would draw that kind of a crowd. I can't think of another, a sports star, a rock star, a political star, a TV star, a movie star. I I can't think of anybody who in nine days would be able to draw 40,000 people to stand in 90-degree heat for six, seven, eight hours, sitting through two, three hours of traffic to get there just to say we love you. Nobody else can do that. Donald Trump is a, a mythical creature. I mean, this kind of thing shouldn't exist, but it does. And I think what we saw on Saturday changes the game for the Republican Party going into 2024. All right, 922. We'll take a quick time out. Come right back on AM 1420, The Answer. Okay, it's 926. Let me get a phone call in here from uh, Nancy in Cleveland on AM 1420 The Answer. Hi, Nancy. Go right ahead. Hey, Bob. Good morning. It was good, good to morning. see you, by the way. I, I snuck in a hello to you. But, oh, okay. Um, well, I'm glad you did. Couple of, yeah, we were, my friends and I were happy to see you. Anyhow, um, I was happy to see almost every single candidate mention the critical race theory. That, that to me, was important. As a teacher, we need to end this. And... Margie Taylor Green, I'm a new fan. She was she was amazing. She was. I don't know. She's I don't a, know. She's a she's a firebrand boy. Rock star. We need more of her. And regarding the whole Trump phenomenon, we needed this to recharge the MAGA movement. I just I was excited and just elated. And like you said, people were standing in line and it was hot, but it all that went away once he got on stage. So it was great. Well, you know, right. you're you're exactly right. And Nancy, I'm so glad you called. I'm glad you shouted out to me uh at the event. I appreciate that. Thank you so much. Um let me say this. Um what what I said a moment ago, I meant uh, outside of maybe the pope. And I'm going to stop at the pope. I I mean, really. There is no other person in this country and maybe alive anywhere you have to get into other world leaders. I mean, you know, when when Kim Jong-un holds one of his events, one of his military strength, you know, shows, parades in his, in, in his communist North Korea, everybody in the country must come out and watch it or else they're going to be killed or thrown into, you know, the, uh, the dungeons and, and tortured and so forth. Outside of compelled and forced dictatorial attendance, I cannot think of another person 
who would draw be able to draw that many people under those circumstances, waiting two or three hours to get in in their cars, then standing in the heat for six or seven hours before the event came up and started, uh, to the tune, like I said, of forty, fifty thousand 50,000 people the way they were at, in Wellington. I don't know anybody. Certainly Joe Biden couldn't get 15 people together if he hosted a, uh, you know, a, a, a dinner in which he was giving away millions of dollars. Nobody's coming. Nobody cares. There's no other politician, which leads me into the movies. I don't know. Who's the biggest movie star in America right now? I literally don't know the answer to that. There was a time when I would have said, you know, Tom Cruise is probably the biggest A-lister, uh, but not anymore. The, whoever they are, they're not drawing forty or 50,000 people in the heat. Nobody, you know, who's, who's the NFL? Tom Brady. Tom Brady couldn't go back to New England and, and draw forty or 50,000 people just to come to see or hear him talk. He's not running for anything. He hadn't just won anything. Nobody can draw this kind of a crowd and this kind of love. And that just says to me the support that Donald Trump still has among conservative Republicans means he is he's a tour de force. I called him mythical because it can't be. It's not real. But it is real. I was there. I got to meet him. I got to fist bump him and take a picture with him. He's as genuine as you can even imagine when he's you know not on stage and putting on a show, which he does when he gets behind that microphone, when you talk to him personally, he is every bit as genuine, real, down-to-earth, and sincere as you can imagine. Um, but his popularity is just something to behold. I don't know that there's anybody else that could possibly rival him in that regard, so can anybody rival him politically? And that's the question. So as um, you know, we, we were doing a survey on our authority message line the last couple of days of last week, and I was telling you, do you want to see Donald Trump be the Republican nominee again in 2024, or do you want to see Donald Trump run the party but have somebody else as the figurehead in the, in the, in the seat, like a Ron DeSantis, who is generating so much buzz and so much publicity because he's doing such a tremendous job as a conservative governor in Florida. And um, I, it was kind of 50-50. DeSantis had a heavy lean on day one. Trump had a heavy lean on day two. I would like to expand that now and just say in generally, or in general, excuse me, not just DeSantis, but Trump or the field. Trump or the field, not just DeSantis. And will it do the Republican Party any good to have a primary season in which DeSantis and Abbott and Nome and Scott and uh, maybe, um, uh, maybe uh, oh, for goodness sakes, the uh, former governor of South Carolina and uh, Nikki Haley. Uh, Nikki Haley, would it make any sense to have them in a primary season all taking shots at Trump in order to win the nomination and him having to take shots at them? Ted Cruz might want another bite at this thing. Well, you know all of the nasty infighting that comes with politics, that comes with that comes with um, uh, primaries. It just makes you wonder if the party shouldn't just say, you know what, that rally on Saturday showed this is still Trump's party, this is still his nomination. If he wants it, all he's got to do is nod and say, I'm in, and then everybody else should stand out of the way and just rally behind him. I just wonder if that's not the best way to go. So Trump or the field is something for you to think about when you call 216-901-0945, Don't forget, Jim Jordan comes our way at 948 on AM 1420, The Answer.
Okay, 9.37. Let's dive right back in. We've got a lot of other things we want to get into today. Um, I have heard just about enough of the far... And by the way, if you are, were an attendee at the rally, I said this at the open, if you were an attendee at the, uh, on the, at the rally on Saturday, I would love to hear from you. Give me your impression, not just of what you heard from the president and the other speakers, but give me your impression on the rally itself and what it says going forward. I'm going to ask Jim Jordan that question here in a few minutes. He was on stage there in Wellington as well. But 216-901-0945 is available to you or 888-281-1110. Meantime, I have heard just about enough of the most absurd story uh, that I've heard recently. Uh, as it pertains to defunding the police, the Democrats have somehow taken to, um, I, I don't know how, I real, I, I'm, I'm almost speechless that after really several years, several years of calling for defunding the police, the Democrat Party, they've been saying this going back to Trayvon Martin, even though George Zimmerman wasn't a police officer, certainly going back to Michael Brown in Ferguson, Missouri. They have been screaming to defund the police or abolish the police for years and never more loudly than last year after the George Floyd incident in Minneapolis. The Democrat Party wants to defund and abolish the police. And somehow, some way, this makes me almost speechless, they can actually look into cameras and take to Twitter and say it's the Republican Party that tried to defund the police. I mean, it's just, it's like up is down, black is white. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's backwards. Everything is backwards. How can they honestly say that? It's like the bizarro universe. Well, the reason and the way they can say it is if they get their, their, their henchmen in the mainstream media to go along with them, to try to advance the ridiculous notion that the Republicans, which have been the party of law and order, the Republicans who get the endorsements of the FOP and virtually every other um, uh, first responder, but particularly law enforcement agency in America, they get their endorsements. The Republican Party, which wants to grow the police presence and protect and serve. When the left-wing media... The henchmen of the DNC advanced the, the theory that it was the Republicans who wanted to defund the police. That's how you know. That's how they're able to get away with it. I want you to listen to Chris Wallace, who is one of the biggest two-faced hypocritical scumbags in media. Chris Wallace, who works on Fox News, but does his Fox News Sunday show on ABC. Chris Wallace yesterday, or uh, yeah, yesterday, talking to uh, Jim Banks and explaining to Jim Jim Banks how it was the Republican Party that voted to defund the police by way of what? By way of the $1.9 trillion covered relief bill that they voted against. Because of all of the pork and because all of the foreign spending that we don't have that had nothing to do with covered relief, Chris Wallace is trying to tell Republican Congressman Jim Banks that this is proof that it was the Republicans who defunded the police. Listen to the insanity here. But, but, but Congressman Banks, let me push back on that a little bit, because in the program that he announced this week, the, the president said that the central part of his anti-crime package is the $350 billion in the American Rescue Plan, the COVID relief plan, that was passed. Take a look at what the president said. It means more police officers, more nurses, more counselors, more social workers, more community violence interrupters to help resolve issues before they escalate into crimes. 
Congressman Banks, you voted against that package, against that $350 billion, just like every other Republican in the House and Senate. So can't you make the argument that it's you and the Republicans who are defunding the police? Uh, not at all, Chris. I mean, let's go back again and look at the last year and the record of comments that Democrats have made from Rashida Tlaib, who said that policing well, no, no, is wait, inherently sir, respectfully, evil. Wait, wait, sir, respectfully, I, I, I heard you make that point, but I'm asking. You do nothing respectfully, Chris Wallace, you toad. You do nothing respectfully. There's $350 billion in this package the president says can be used for policing. And I, let me put up some of the specific Chris, the point, things the he point said. That I make, the Chris, the point that I'm making is important. Congressman Banks, let me, let me finish, and then I, I promise I'll give you a chance to answer. The president is saying cities and states can use this money to hire more police officers, invest in new technologies, and develop summer job training and recreation programs for young people. Respectfully, I, I heard your point about the last year, but you and every other Republican voted against this $350 billion. When Representative Omar says that policing is rooted in evil and Nancy Pelosi compares police officers to Nazi stormtroopers, it makes it very difficult for police departments around the country to recruit people. Which is exactly what defunding the police does. Now, by the way, the specific defunding of police departments, not in passing massive federal spending bills that include money in all different categories for all different kinds of things that somebody may vote against because of the waste, but not necessarily because they oppose funding police officers. That's just the worst type of politics. And Chris Wallace is playing them by accusing Jim Banks and the Republicans of defunding the police for voting against something that they voted against for different reasons. But defunding legitimate, or excuse me, specific and local police departments, like New York City, for example, defunding to the tune of, I think it was like a billion dollars of the police budget. Countless other big cities following suit in the George Floyd aftermath, not wanting rioting to come to their city, slash the budgets of their own police department, slashing manpower, increasing res uh, response times, and causing more death and destruction in their communities. All done by liberal Democrats in liberal Democrat cities. Not one. Not one. Big Republican-led city defunded or slashed their police budget in response to all of this. Liberal Democrats did. And Chris Wallace can take his respectfulness and shove it right up his nose. Because he is just so indicative of the mainstream media and their crookedness and their hypocrisy. Congressman Jim Jordan will join me next. AM 1420, The Answer. It's not a meaningless question. Okay, 949, we continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's bring in our guest, Congressman Jim Jordan from Ohio's 4th Congressional District. He is also the ranking member on the House Judiciary Committee, and he was one of the featured speakers at the Save America rally in Wellington on Saturday. Congressman, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm fine, Bob. And, uh, it was, uh, now, you were there, right? You were, you were there as well? I was on the opposite side of the stage as you, and I ah. kept texting everybody on your team that I knew, trying to find one of you because I couldn't make it over my way, make my way over to uh, you. I would have come. I didn't. I didn't get this. <laughs> I would have come over. The uh, no, it was what a great rally, though. I don't. I don't know what the crowd numbers were, but it was the biggest crowd I've ever seen. Holy cow! It was. 
It was well, tremendous. So, uh, you know, I, and I you was were there, talking, you know. Yeah, I was, and I was talking about this. Um, you know, I've been inside Progressive Field uh, when it was 44,000 f- uh, uh, fans strong, and that's with yeah. seating, of course. This was shoulder-to-shoulder. Outside of the immediate area around the stage, there were no chairs. This was standing room, shoulder-to-shoulder. I know what 45,000 people look like from being in that stadium, and I'm telling you, I don't think it was any less than that on uh, on yeah. Saturday. Uh, it, and it was, it was a fun – I mean, you think about it, Bob. It was a, like people could – it was a hot day. So they had to be there several hours before. They could have been fishing. They could have been swimming. They could have been golfing. They could have been picnicking with their family. But they wanted to come out to see the guy that they know fought for them and a guy who they hope is going to run for president again in, in three years. I mean, it was, it, was a, it was a fun day, and I was, I was glad I could be a part of it. It was an amazing day. You, you gave a great speech. There were a lot of great speakers there as well. Marjorie Taylor Greene was terrific. There were, uh, there were you know, some of the local. Max Miller was, was great. Yep. There were so, you know, some of the other local leaders, uh, county commissioners, and so forth. What does it mean to you, Congressman Jordan, that, that 40,000-plus people came out on a hot 90-degree day sitting in traffic for at least three to four hours? Yep. I know. I talked to yep. people. I, I was in it for three. And I live 25 minutes away from the fairgrounds, and I, it took me three hours to get my, my way down to the fairgrounds. But then, as you said, sitting for several hours before he spoke in the hot sun, um, what does that tell you about the popularity of this man? This isn't even an election season. This is five months after you know the well, inauguration of his successor, and, and the people just went through all of that to be there. I think it's two things that are, that are connected. One is it shows the love so many Americans have for this country and that they don't buy into the crazy left who thinks America is bad. I mean, we just saw it this weekend with, with some uh, Olympic athlete or soon-to-be Olympic athlete not, not, not standing for the flag, not facing the flag, not, not honoring our flag. Uh, these were people who understand we're the greatest country ever and love what the, the principles and values that, that make America this special place, love those values and principles and want to fight for them. And they know that the guy who spoke, President Trump, did just that and will do just that if he, in fact, gets back in the, uh, in the White House. So that, that, to me, is what this was really about. Is it was a repudiation of the crazy left who says, oh, critical race theory, we're a, ba- we're a terrible country, we're a bad country. All that. No, no, no. They know we're the greatest country ever, and they want someone who's going to fight for the fact that America is the best. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. I saw, I can't tell you how many Trump flags, but I saw even more American flags. It was, we are yep. proud of this country. We know what this country is. We will not let anybody else take that away. Um, now, the day before that rally on Saturday, there was a different kind of event going down in El Paso, Texas. Um, Kamala Harris, uh, you know, we know the story. Uh, you know, there's no way she was going down there had Donald Trump not announced last week that he's right. going down there sometime this week. How bad would it have looked if the czar, the border czar, had been beaten to the border by the ex-president? So, but she didn't even go to the trouble spot. She didn't right. go down into the, into, into the into the you know the teeth of the of the of the uh, the monster here. She went up to El Paso at an actual legal border crossing you know entry facility. Um, it was nothing more than a photo op, wasn't it? Right, and I'm not even sure she got to the actual border itself. I think she was miles inland where there's the processing. I don't think she was actually even at the border. So. Yeah, we all know what this is. It's just, it's just what you described, Bob. Uh, it, but for the president announcing that he was going to be there, I think, this Wednesday, she'd have never win. And she, they, they just had to go. But remember, uh, it took this long now, five, over five months for her to get to the border. We went from a secure border under President Trump to complete chaos under President Biden. She finally went there. When Secretary Mayorkas went there a few months ago, he wouldn't even let the press in the very facilities he was That's touring. Right. So it's all about trying to keep the American people in the dark. But Americans understand how bad this situation is, and they understand it's directly 
the, the people directly responsible are the Biden administration because they undid the good policies President Trump had in place. And again, this just underscores why that rally was so big. Those people there on Saturday night know that President Trump had control of the border. They know his policies were good for America, put America first, and that's what they want back. Uh, that's why they want him back in office. Now, in the aftermath of her visit, which has been heavily criticized for all of the reasons you just outlined, she is saying, well, we're making progress. She said, we have made progress over the last five months at dealing with a, with a very bad situation we inherited. She claims she inherited or they inherited a mess. I mean, we had the fewest number of crossings in 2020 we have had in years. Uh, obviously, the president's uh, negotiated deal to remain in Mexico for anybody who's an asylum seeker who comes through Mexico. You, you have to wait over there for your hearing to be yeah. processed here. All of those things are what they inherited, and they mucked them all up. How how can she sit here now and blame the previous administration no. for the border crisis? Bob, Bob those, those two statements she made are demonstrably false. She said we inherited a bad situation. False. Absolutely false. And, to, and, and for her to try to claim that it's somehow getting better, we've yeah. had the last three months, each month, it was a, the, uh, March was the highest number on record. April was higher than March. And May is going to be higher, than, uh, May is higher than, than April. So it's trending the wrong way. There's no way it's getting better. It's getting worse. And they inherited a great situation, and they have screwed it all up. And again, the American people, I think, now fully understand that. Um, one of the things a previous caller mentioned about the rally on Saturday, Congressman, was that almost every speaker spoke about, uh, or mentioned at least, uh, critical race theory and how extraordinarily dangerous it is. This Marxist theory that uh, is intended to dr- drive a wedge between Americans along racial lines in order to, quite frankly, collapse this capitalist uh, country that we're in so that they can rebuild a nation uh, in Marxist theory. Um, this is being advanced, Congressman Jordan, by our military. I don't know if you've heard, uh, uh, the yeah, top ranking Navy chief, uh, in the, in the U- U.S. Navy, uh, one of our top admirals. Uh, they're, they're testifying, of course, before various committees, and they are being mm-hmm. in the Senate side, and they are being grilled for their choice of, uh, required. It's kind of, they say recommended, but inside, you know, it means you better read this stuff. Uh, reading materials, including Ibram X. Kendi's book on anti-racism and critical race theory, which is intended to essentially say all white people are inherently evil and all white people must be, you know, kind of put down for what they have done through the, through the centuries. Um, how can that strengthen our military, Congressman Jordan? Well, obviously can't. And my guess is the Chinese aren't teaching any type of crazy critical race theory to their, to their soldiers. I mean, they're focused on training and, and, and getting ready. Um, you know, this is, as you said, Bob, this is a Marxist ideology that says America is bad. Now, think about that. A Marxist ideology that says, I, I, I flatly, just totally 100% disagree with that concept. But that's what this is. Marxist ideology says America is bad. And we're teaching it to the guys who are going to put their life on the line for their country, for America? This, this makes absolutely no sense. It makes no sense to teach it to school. It makes no sense to teach this anywhere. And that's why it's, I think this is going to be a huge issue in the 22 uh, election. I think it's right now it's a huge issue in upcoming school board elections this fall. And you're going to see people get elected in school board races this fall around the country where they're teaching this stuff. They're going to get elected. And then in a few years, those same individuals are going to be running for the United States Congress because Americans hate this stuff. They know it's against our country, against the principles that make us special. And we have got to stop it. And it is going to be a fundamental issue over the next couple of years as we, as we go into these uh, uh, in the midterm uh, congressional election. And Congressman Jordan, you mentioned it kind of in passing a moment ago, so I'm going to ask you a little bit more in depth on this now. Um, I am fearful that the the uh, Olympics that are coming up in uh, Tokyo are going to be 
just a hate America fest. Um, we had one, uh, I think it's a BMX biker. I think that's a category. I can't remember specifically what they do in this category of the Olympics, but one Olympian who qualified who is a, a trans person said that the goal was to win the gold medal so they could burn the U.S. flag on the podium. Now you have now you have Gwen Berry, who's a hammer thrower for the U.S. track and field team, who qualified uh, by finishing third in the U.S. trials. When the the standing on the podium, you probably saw this. The flat, the uh, anthem was played, you know, because it was the first event of the of the day, and they played the anthem at the beginning. She was livid that they chose to play the anthem while she, a black woman, was on the medal stand because she said that was a setup because everybody knew that she doesn't like the national anthem and she doesn't believe it speaks for her. And her goal is, as an athlete, is to go and, and, uh, and, and fight and advocate on behalf of people killed by systemic racism. She put a, she yeah. put a shirt over her head that read, activist athlete. Congressman, how can we even allow people onto the U.S. Olympic yeah. team yeah. if they hate the yeah. U.S.? Yeah, you're going to wear the name of the country on the back of your jersey, but you're not going to uh, stand there and honor the flag that, that men and women have given their life for over 200-plus years. I mean, this is just its just wrong. Uh, it's just dead wrong. And the American people don't like it. They love watching the Olympics and love watching people who've set goals and work hard and are striving to accomplish something. And then when they succeed, they honor their flag because they honor the country that gave them the opportunity to do just all that stuff and have that goal and make it happen. So, um yeah, it's not going to sell well. I mean, the goal, the goal again, of every think, athlete, the goal of every athlete that competes in an Olympic competition is to represent their country in the Olympics. It yep, is yep. the U.S. against the world. You, you're not just you. You're representing red, white, and blue. You know, the the U.S. hockey team. You may remember a couple of the names. You know, in the 1980, but it was the U.S. that beat Russia. It was the U.S. that yeah. beat the Soviet Union. It wasn't an individual name. You, you are literally great? playing for the colors red, white, and blue. You're playing for that flag. You're playing and competing for all of the people that represent this great nation. If yeah. you don't want to represent the nation, then why are you even in the trials? That's what I don't understand. Yeah. And do you think, uh, that, do you think it would be appropriate for them to, to, to kick people like this off of the, uh, off of the teams? Well, they've done it in the past. They've done it in the past. They sure have. Uh, you remember in previous time. But you, you made me think of, Bob, that great line in the movie Miracle. Kurt Russell plays Herb Brooks, and they're practicing and he's telling the guys that the name on the front, which is USA, is a lot more important than the name on the back, which is the person's name. And it's like, that's what so many people have forgotten. This is the greatest country ever, and if you get a chance to go chase your dream in the Olympics, you should honor the country that gave you that opportunity. And Americans understand that. So this is not going to play well for these athletes who do this stuff. It's never played well when people don't honor the flag, and it's why we, uh, again, it it comes back to, um, my guess is some of these people will probably talk critical race theory. They were probably taught that baloney, and that's part of the reason for their ridiculous attitude. I don't think there's any question about it. It is poisoning the minds of people who might otherwise be proud of the country in which they live. Congressman Jordan, thank you for the great speech at the rally on Saturday. We really appreciated seeing you, and I really look forward to talking to you again next week. All right. Take care, Bob. Thanks. Thank you, sir. That's Jim Jordan on AM 1420, The Answer. All right, it's 10.01. Don't forget, on the other side of the news, at about 10.10, you remember this because I played it many, many times, and it was one of the most amazing things that I had ever seen. Somebody standing up for his parishioners, standing up for his flock, and telling the police coming in to break up their service. Ouch! 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 Immediately out! Don't, I don't want to talk to you. Not a word. I don't care what you have to say. Ouch! Pastor Artur Pawlowski will be joining me next on AM.